Welcome back to the Three of Seven podcast, Stacy Marshall. Happy to be here. There's not many people. There ain't many people that have uh, been on here twice. (gasps) We've had just a couple (laughs) guests show up more than (laughs) once. Yes. So. Stacy could host her own podcast. I know yes, she's she got could. a lot of time, extra oh, time on her hands. No, that's not to, true. Uh, well, yeah, spend. She, she's got a she's good got much going five on. or six hours a week to record says, podcasts. Says the woman that was like four minutes late because she was milking her cow because she has to. She has no choice. <laughs> yeah, no, she doesn't. Have when you got oh, three it's kids, just controlled chaos. It really is just a bunch of. Con- and m- most days, it's not even controlled. It's just chaos. (laughs) When you got three kids and 500 acres to farm, you got plenty extra time. Oh, yeah. 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 I mean, the farm just takes care of itself, right? Oh, dude. I know. I wish that was true. (laughs) You just turn them out, all the animals out into the pasture, and they just... Yeah. I think, think, you know, if somebody says, are you running a farm? I'm like, no, the farm is running me. That's so true. That is exactly how it goes here. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Have you been seeing any more hogs or coyotes? Oh, my gosh. The sheriff (laughs) has spoken. Listen, Blake pulls up, and, like, all the predators go running. (laughs) (laughs) I got to check in on Marshallville over there. It's been about a week since I've been over there. Oh, my gosh. You better hope hope Jeremy don't ever learn how to shoot a rifle real good or you're gonna be out of work blake well he pulled <laughs> his he pulled his old 30 30 out i don't know that it's really sighted in um why but. has jeremy not been on the podcast oh, yet man. jeremy do you hear jeremy? what they're calling him I love that jeremy That's adorable you know we wanted to do a That's podcast with jeremy we just haven't set it up yet the old germs. i've asked him a couple times and uh He's just been busy. You know, he's real private. He's just real private. It's hard to get him to do anything. Well, well he's got a code of ethics. He's yeah, I was go about by. to say he's our counselor or our therapist, so he has to be like that with you. Yeah. Well, Jeremy's just a private person. I mean, well, he's really Jeremy, not. He he's not necessarily private on his own way. He's pretty open, but I think he wants to show up well for people. So he's just made a choice to kind of. He didn't. He didn't do social media. He didn't, you know, engage in stuff like that. He just wants to kind of remain, I guess, uh, unbiased. Well, I'm going to keep. It. I'm going to keep imagining him as a private person. Okay. Okay. What? Yeah. He's married to me, so that's not really <laughs> working out so well for him to be a private person. <laughs> we gave you a shout out on the podcast the other day, Stacey. I saw oh, I re- the. I heard it. I, I saw the photo. What What was going on? Oh, man. What was the photo? Oh, it was a, a sick kiddo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we we just got hit with this little virus. And, I mean, I think our kiddos and, you know, us, too, like we're all, like our immune systems are having to be reminded that they're resilient and all these little bugs that, that are just around. So it just went through all of us. It was just a 24-hour thing, but it was... Just a fever and... Oh, yeah. Well, no, no. no. It, was the, <laughs> it was the whole thing. Dang. The whole thing for 24 hours, but... Blakely had know. a fever for 24 hours just the other day, but that was it. Just a runny nose and... I really... Like, I can handle, like, most sicknesses with my kiddos, but the stomach bug, I mean, I really believe there's, like, a place in hell that's just, like, for the stomach bug. You just get... It's... <laughs> the worst oh, yeah. perpetual stomach bug it's the worst and we you know we stay pretty healthy but this this one got got us we one of the kids picked it up at school and it just it was uh 
this is the worst sickness as a parent is when you've been sick and then your kids get sick and you're still recovering, Mm. but then you got to take care of them. Oh, geez. And that was, that was this past week. So Mm. I I was, yeah. Sorry. I wondered that when we had the flu, I was like, when, when parents get the flu and their kid gets the flu, like I couldn't take care of a human feeling like this, but they have to, right? I mean, it, it affected me for a couple of days because, you know, I work with my hands and I, I have these families that I'm supplying milk for. And so I had to dump milk for about three days just to make sure I wasn't spreading any germs in any mm. way and that was that was like for me you know milking a cow because it takes a good 30 minutes and it's a it's a lot of prep work and then just to like give it to the to the I gave it to the chickens actually yeah I know you're looking at me yeah have you ever heard of clabber like that was an old-timey thing they would do they would take a uh, chicken feed and chicken scratch and they ferment it so it's really good nothing's wasted on the farm it's it's like the same and I won't get off on like a farm tangent here because we got things to talk about but everyone's always told me to give your chickens um raw unfiltered yogurt and it'll like make them lay really which is the same thing that you're saying they need that calcium yeah dang that's really cool yeah and oh forgot to tell you guys we got biscuit on the podcast today (sighs) yeah um thanks uh, as usual biscuit sorry always got a a lot going on so i want to let you know biscuit if 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 you get ready to leave at any time feel free to to take off okay i'm stressing him out don't feel bound by this podcast yeah yeah. if you need to go you just go you you just stand up and and do whatever (laughs) you need to do biscuit i want to slap you right now (laughs) like real bad is it kind of warm in here yeah it's always warm in here cut that down for us I, freaking, that remote's on top I, of the safe. I feel like i'm about to fall asleep every time we do an episode yeah cut it on down well the point in me mentioning stacy's last post is it really just gave me confirmation of why i don't have children it really <laughs> just because you know every day i like to have a, just a little bit for my, for me and um a little bit uh, every day I mean, is just for you i guess every day i like to have the majority <laughs> every day i like to have at least 24 hours for myself <laughs> and then when i said when i saw stacy said some days you don't have nothing for yourself i said <laughs> it was one of those days for sure man i think my my post said something like some days mothering takes all Yep. Because I, I mean, it was like eleven o'clock, and I was still in my bathrobe. Mm. It was one of those days, and I was holding a child that couldn't take care of herself, and you know, I was just usually around was, eleven. I'm still in my bathrobe too, but I'm not <laughs> holding a child. You're not holding a sick child. <laughs> I'm just getting out of the sauna, or you know, just you know, coming off my run. Or y'all know who um, Chad looks like today? Have y'all seen a picture of Roger Rabbit recently? Mm-mm. You don't know? No. I wonder if he ever changes clothes. He <laughs> wears that darn flannel. I was editing clips the other day, and I thought, every clip, he's got this dang flannel. It looks like they've all came from the same episode. Yeah. Um. He probably, he hates laundry, so when I don't do it, he does just wear the same clothes I, I did get a. I did get a new, inherit a new pair of pants today. Yeah. I saw all those. Yep. I uh, got a new pair of pants today. Again, all you listeners, you all... <laughs> That's how Blake does, huh? <laughs> you all know when Blake decides he wants a new pair of pants, he orders five pairs of pants. 
he picks two or three that he likes, and then he and then he tells me I'm about to send all these back, and I look at them and they're perfectly good pairs of pants. So I'm like, no, don't send them back. I'll take them. Well, they and just so that's how all I get all my clothes, other than this flannel. Brooke bought bought this for me. Look, I'm a particular person. I like things done a certain way. I like my clothes to fit a certain way. So you can't go try nothing on in the store anymore. So I order it. Your belly button's too low, I and try your legs are just a little too short. What? No. I try them on, and I say, well, here's what I've got. This pair fits best. I'll send the rest back. It's free. Why what? would you not? That's, yeah. But why did he just say your belly button's too low? I wear my pants. legs are just a little too short. I also. wear my pants low rise, and he wears them up high rise. Because so. he doesn't but have I a But I want to go back yeah. to the fact that... that you're talking about Chad wearing pants because I've never seen that before. <laughs> That's true. Great point. The only time I wear pants is when I'm on the basic course. That's pretty much That's it. That's a very good point. That's Stacey. what all Thorns, my pants are for. Because of the briars? Yeah. Yeah. Mainly because of the briars and then in the summertime because of the yellow jackets. That is his kryptonite. A yellow jacket gets him and he's just down. Oh. Down hard. Can I tell the story That's one time of when I had to be rushed to the hospital? From oh Yellow Jackets. He was in front of me, and I'm going to make it short, and the dogs were in front of him. And <laughs> I was looking down, like, you just out of it thinking. And next thing I know, it's, like, literally like a cartoon. Like, Chad comes flying past me and in, like, a little puff of smoke, and he's gone. I will plow you over if you get in my he didn't, way. He didn't say anything to me. And I look <laughs> up, and I start getting stung. And I look, and oh the dog gosh. is stuck outside of the nest, just oh getting no. tore up and doesn't know to, like, move. So he's gone. And Chad has left you. He did the same thing when a black bear got after us. He just bailed. Look, he it's just, every man for himself. But I, I will say. That's not a joke. He really does I, I that. I will say, this yellow jacket nest that we hit, that Brooke's talking about, this was the apocalyptic yellow jacket attack. It was in fall. These yellow jackets had a hole in the ground you could put a basketball in. It was wild. And so they were at maximum hive capacity, dead center of the trail. And so when I started getting stung and I looked up, I literally saw a swarm of thousands of yellow jackets. You know, and usually you just see a few coming out of the hole and, and they'll be randomly stinging you. No, this one like that. And the dog got stung so many times, we thought the dogs were going to die. We took them to, I dropped her off at the hospital. Then I took the dogs to the vet, but we all ended up surviving. What's the, what's <laughs> yeah, the number one quality well. you would value in a spouse, Brooke? Would it be selflessness? And when a teammate, would you say it's selflessness? Protection. I wasn't yeah. very selfless of him to bail on you guys. There, there's <laughs> one way to protect yourself from yellow jackets. Run. Yeah, but so, you could follow my lead. You, no, but you could at least be like, hey, there's a yellow jacket's nest and like stop <laughs> on the way past me and be like, hey, this is what's going on. We need to run. Or just grab her hand and start dragging her. Yeah, like something. for themselves. <laughs> Dude. Yeah. Turd. Oh, my gosh. Mm, well. Found that out a long time ago. And yellow jackets are mean because we're both beekeepers. Brooke and I both are mm -hmm. beekeepers. And we're used to swarming insects. Like honeybees don't like they'll sting you out of defense but they don't really want to sting you yes. they're pretty pretty tame like you can walk up to a hive and unless they feel threatened they're not going to come at you like yellow jackets are but exactly. yellow jackets and wasps mm -hmm. those things actually destroy honeybees too mm -hmm. man i'm not a fan a yellow jacket fly three miles from his hive one time just to sting me <laughs>
What? And you didn't have on pants, I bet. Yeah. <laughs> One night. Flew I- three miles from the hive just to sting me. Shut up. That's how mean they are. Yeah. That is how mean they are. So and mean. that song "I'm Coming In Hot" was in the was on the background <laughs> as it was coming in, <laughs> headed straight for his calf. <laughs> Look, if y'all are ever on the basic course of me and you oh see gosh. me running, just run. Don't don't ask me why I'm running. Just fall in behind me and run. There's so many good bee stories. Because if I'm running, you need to run too. Mm-hmm. Oh dang! You're not going to tell anybody, so I guess they have to run. Well, like, so is Chad <laughs> exercising, or is he is he getting <laughs> is away this from the ultra marathon? Yeah, that's what Does your eyes are for to see me running, so I, I don't have to tell you. What about that last one, and then we'll we can whatever. But remember, we me and Jesse were working in the garden this past summer. Oh my gosh. And we're going, it's really hot. We're going to town and Chad gets home and there was this little bumble. It wasn't a bumblebee. I forgot what kind of bee, but it looks like a bumble and it was harassing us and we could tell it was aggressive. <laughs> so when it would get after us, was it bowing up on you? Yeah. We, we, <laughs> seriously though. <laughs> Come on, get, get her, get her. Oh, <laughs> uh, you guys done? Yeah, go ahead. Oh, okay. Carry on. So <laughs> it was harassing me and Jesse, and we would walk away and then come back to what we were doing. And Chad walks out, and he's like, oh, are you kidding me? That that thing just wants to be your friend and, like, making fun of us. It's friendly. And it flew up, and Chad goes, hello, little friend. And it landed right here and stung him inside of his nose. The Brit, oh. That little divider in your nose got me right there. Ooh, that After. nose divider yeah <laughs> yeah that thing was a bastard man <laughs> <laughs> after after he had been like it's just it's just a friend hello friend usually a bumblebee won't sting you it wasn't it was a different kind of it was a carpenter bee it, carpenter no. bees sting? some know. of them do a carpet some carpenter bees if they have a black head they can sting you the ones that have a dot in their head they can't sting you is that a male female thing I, I, it may be. Huh. I learned that from Don Tidwell when I was a kid. He used to try to catch carpenter bees. He'd do like, you know, this old Indian trick. <laughs> He'd I remember do Don's like this. Indian you remember, you, you know, on um the Crocodile Dundee, when the ox is standing in the road and, and Crocodile Dundee gets out and goes, mm, and puts the ox down, that's what Don would do to those carpenter bees. So that's a good well, movie. Listeners, <laughs> thank y'all for tuning in for the B <laughs> stories. This is the three of seven podcast, enough said. <laughs> well, um uh yeah. yeah. I don't I don't know exactly what Well then is don't on, say anything else. But let me tell you right oh, now. Gosh. Okay. Um it, I, it, there are there are two groups of people on the he, earth he's about to side rail this whole conversation that, that on are, purpose that are pretty pretty vicious the number one is people that follow politics they are the in my opinion they're the most vicious people that i have come in come in contact with and i think it's because politics are all about controlling other people and also politics involve people that think they know what's right and everybody else is wrong Right? Well, the second group of vicious people can be Christian people. Right? We've run ourselves into the ground a little bit. We've kind of ruined a lot of our reputation as the church because of the viciousness. Similar to politics, you think you got it right and everybody else has got it wrong. 
So really what it is, is it is, um, it's passing judgment on other people, right? So I think this conversation was spurred around a dream that I had a few days ago. And am I correct in that and saying mm -hmm. that? Yeah. And first of all, should you give credence to your dreams? Well, that's debatable. Uh, I think that you should not equate your dreams to God's word. You should never equate your dreams to God is telling me something or anything or, or, or any word is God's word. That's right. So I think there is the danger in giving too much credence to your dreams is you can start to think, well, I'm receiving some special message from God. Um, but I think there are dreams that you have, in, at least me personally, I have to believe there are dreams that I have had that I should pay attention to, not because they're giving me any, any new revelation, but they're actually pointing me to what God's Word already says. So anytime I have a dream, I don't give the dream any credence. I just take the context or, the, or, or what I think I received from that, and I go back to Scripture and I say, well, let me search this out. And that, this is where I can find the answers or, or whatever it may be. Um, so everybody understand that? Like it gives you a new perspective on scripture. Yeah, or, or, or maybe it just brings, maybe it just shows something, it, maybe it'll just show you something that's that's off within your, your own heart, mm -hmm. right? And so I think that's what that dream did for me. Uh, do you want me to tell you what, what the dream was? That would be great. Sure. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> uh, he wanted you to ask that. He did. No, whatever, man. I was wondering the whole time he was doing all that talking. If he just told us the dream, he wouldn't have needed to say all that. Well, no, I mean, what was the dream, Chad? What? Oh, thank you, guys. <laughs> thank you, guys, for asking. Um, well, you know, I so first of all, I was I saw a room, an empty room, and it was kind of dark. There was a a man on his hands and knees in the center of the room, and I didn't know what was going on, but. It, it, it somehow in my dream I was able I I entered or became that person that was on the ground on prostrated on the ground hands and knees and I realized that this person that I had become was homosexual and so because I was that person I became very just grieved just completely uh just undone, grieved by this sin that I that was part of my life, this homosexuality. But it's interesting because I I had the intuition that there was nothing within me to change it. Like there was nothing within me to, to fix it. So I essentially gave up on life. I said, wow, okay, I'm living in this sin. I'm basically condemned. I can no longer get to heaven or be in relationship with God because of this, and I can't change it. And so I gave up on life, and there was a plate of food in front of me, and I was starving, but I decided I wasn't going to eat because I was done living. And I looked to my right, and 
and Blake and this doctor or this psychiatrist or whatever walks into the room and the they walk in and this Blake says Chad why won't you eat and I said I don't want to live anymore because I can't get to heaven anymore and then all of a sudden it was Blake Blake was speaking in the dream but it was like the voice of it was a it was a divine voice like a booming sound and it said who are you to say who inherits the kingdom of god and then it said all who come to me have sin there are none righteous no not one and then for the first time in that dream my hope to live was restored because I realized there was still hope for me in spite of this wickedness, uh, this activity, this lifestyle that I was living in. There was still hope for me and that I should actually eat and live and do my best to follow Christ. And then that was the end of the dream. But it really screwed me up, man. It really screwed me up for about two days because I'm pretty passionate about especially homosexuality. I'm pretty I'm pretty passionate about my views around that specific thing and I think the the origins of my passion around that specific sin is the fact that culture asks me to say it's right when I know it's wrong and that frustrates the the mess out of me. And so I get really defensive around that. Um but yeah, I, I, I assume that's why that was the specific sin that was being dealt with that was causing the hopelessness in my dream. Uh, so yeah, that was it. Yeah, and then that morning, um, Stacy had come over for a hike and we listened to, she listened to that and then we started talking and just like that dream kind of brought up the way that I feel like you said Christians are some of the most as a whole and have been in history, some of the most vicious people. I mean, not saying that, you know, obviously every religion group, everything has bad people, you know, but I, I don't know. Like if you just look back, it's always been pointing the finger at someone else and, you know, trying to judge others salvation, which is not our place. Um, and it just started a, a really good conversation that me and you had. And I was like, man, we need to talk about this. Yeah. 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 I, I, uh, first of all, I'm very grateful to be in community with y'all that, um, you know, Chad, I, I, I know most of the world knows you as a ultra runner and, and Blake and Brooke, which y'all do here, but I'm getting the opportunity to live with y'all like in community like Blake had his family over and we had a meal around a fire and um you know Chad like I got to you know come to your house and like when I think of you and see you it's like I see you on your couch with your bible and your dog in your lap and so I just I love the fact that we are in community with one another and we're having 
conversations. And that's the thing that I think um, I want to start with that because I think that the in framing all of this, the politics, the the Christian um, um, perspective of of harsh judgment, you know, as you're you're kind of saying, what we've been kind of known for. I think that um, social media has really kind of influenced and impacted a lot of that, even over the last you know five or six years. Um, it's, it's always been there, but there's another platform for it now. And I think that, um, man, I I think that that for me has been sobering because I think that there's these unnatural places where these conversations are being had. Mm. And I think the more natural places are in relationship with people. And so, um, you know, obviously, Chad, that dream was very personal to you and meant something very significant to you. And, uh, you know, when I entered your house that morning, I could see you just in deep thought and reflection over it. Like, you know, just, um, again, trying to search your own heart and, and learn from, you know, what, what, why was that so significant for me to have that dream? Why did it shake me? Yeah. Um, yeah. What has my posture been? Yeah. You know, I think that's what it kind of shook me up on. It's like, what is my posture here toward yeah. these people? Yeah. So, you know, I, I think all of us have, uh, you know, our own journeys and faith. And, you know, for me, um, I, Man, you know, when Jesus was it, when Jesus looked at Mary Magdalene and he said, you know, to her, you know, those who've been forgiven much have sinned much, like those who've been forgiven will, will love much and forgive much. Like I, when I became a Christian, that was my story. Like I felt like Mary Magdalene, like I felt like the sinful woman that, you know, in some ways was like dangerous and, uh, you don't hang out with her, you know, she, she's, she's in this group of people and I wasn't in the Christian group of people, you know? And so like when, when I came into a relationship with Jesus, it was first very personal to him. And then there were these very kind people that moved towards me in deep community and friendship and relationship. And so, you know, for me, I, I think I can relate to that character of Mary Magdalene of um, I, I want to be so generous in my judgment and I want to be not passive in my faith. Like, I think that's what's so tricky about this is because there's so many narratives spinning right now that it can kind of cloud your own mind. And so it's almost like necessary to take a step back and be so rooted in truth and rooted in the Lord, because we don't have, we don't have the capacity within us to judge well. Like that's not within us to judge well. Um, and so, you know, for me, you know, as I've searched scriptures and, and, and similarly thought about what are some of the hot topics that are, you know, in the church now. And I think, gosh, like, 
you know, even in scripture, like we have latched on to these things in the Christian faith. And yet, like, what, what are, what are things that scripture is holding us to? Like, scripture is like, hey, it's an abomination if you neglect the widows and the orphans and the homeless. Like, that's an abomination, <laughs> you know, but we're not talking a, a lot about those things, mm-hmm. you know, we're talking about other people. And I just, I, 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 I really think, um, that there's a lot of people right now walking away from the faith because they don't, because they, they feel, and again, I want to be careful here because I, I, I think what I, I sense, I've been in ministry, I've seen this, all of these narratives that are coming at us feel so strong and so loud, but they are also telling us something, not that we should just tune them out. Like we need to pay attention to them because what are they telling us? Um, and so for example, let me just say this, cause maybe this will all connect it. This is a story. I went to the dentist last week and I got my teeth cleaned and this was like the day before we walked and I was having this wonderful conversation. You know how, when you get your teeth cleaned and the hygienist, like they're doing most of the talking. So you're just like, uh, you know, trying to talk, but you're, you know, you can't cause you're getting your teeth cleaned. So she's just talking, 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 and she's just a lovely person. And so then she leans in and she's wanting to tell, I can tell she's, she's wanting to tell me something. She had asked me if I knew someone and I nodded my head. Yes. And she leaned in, but then she caught herself and she said, um, well, before I say this, I need to know if you're conservative. And it like put a check in my heart. Like, first of all, this feels very uncomfortable for me. Like how, like if I say no, what is her response going to be? Is her response going to be, oh, well, I can't share this with you because, you know, you're not a safe person to talk about this with. And then the other side of it was if I say yes, then it's like I'm about to gossip about somebody that has a different view on something than me. And again, it was, she she didn't even get into what the issue was really about that person. She was just trying to vet me to see like, are you one of my people, God. and can I go there with you? Yeah, and and, and you better agree with anybody that's working on your teeth. You <laughs> oh my God. conservative, <laughs> nope. You better just go ahead and agree with them. <laughs> but again, I think the question grieved me. Like, cause I thought, you know, that, what does that mean to her? I don't, I don't know how to answer that question because I don't know what that means to you. And first of all, that's not how I like am going to lead and identify myself. Like there's so much more about me. And, and I, I, I think when we narrow ourselves down to, are we Democrat? Are we Republican? Are we liberal? Are we conservative? I mean, like, there's only two choices. Right. There's there's no room for any other conversation. So, um, I mean, man, Chad, there's so much more I want to go back to with what you shared with your dream. But but just to, to also say that was kind of what spurred on our conversation was I just had kind of a confession to Brooke of like, man, like sometimes I feel a little displaced. Because um, I do, I want to, um, 
I want to follow God's word. I want to follow God's word. And I want to do what scripture is telling me to do, not what culture and society. And Mm -hmm. when I say that, I mean even like the universal church. Because I think we've got on these bandwagons, and that's what we think Christianity is about now. Like, and so again, it's bringing, you know, for me, back to like, Jesus lived in an incredibly political time. Like, he did. Like, this is not, this place that we're in in our culture is not a new place. Like, and Jesus, when he came, like, you know, you... Chad and I, you know, we had this conversation, like he was the Prince of Peace, but he was disruptive. You know, he was always telling parables and stories and he was intentionally like using examples in his stories of like groups of people that wouldn't, wouldn't be in, be together. Like the Samaritan, you know, helping the, like it, you know, he was constantly like aware of the culture and speaking to the religious leaders. He had a lot more to say to the religious leaders. So, um, yeah. It's it's funny that he did come in a time that I think it's, you could closely relate to the time that we are living in. I just think, you know, the disciples of Christ hated the publicans as much as I hate the IRS. <laughs> and the so, Romans, right? Yeah, the, the Roman government. Yeah, yeah and, and how they were ruling over them and... And um, and they actually wanted Christ. They ex- their expectation was for Christ to overthrow that government and establish a more righteous government for the the for people them. of Israel. That's right, and free them of these taxes and this rule. And and then Jesus said, "Hey, I'm gonna get one of those tax collectors to come walk around with us. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna get one of these." T- Publicans to come and yes. walk around with us. It's yeah. like me saying, I'm going to recruit at the IRS. We're going to have one of them come work with us. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, moving back to um, how we treat or, or even interact with each other and, and how we as sons and daughters of Christ are s- supposed to or are, are told to interact with other people, um, this judgment thing is a is a complicating topic really to a lot of people you know i posted about that dream on social media hesitantly and and i don't know if it was the right thing to do because it it went it hit people both ways i don't i think very few people understood what I, what i received from that i think many people looked at it as me condoning homosexuality and many people looked at looked at it as me saying um me saying like there is no accountability for 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 yeah we you know we all we we all live in sin like there there's no there's there's no accountability for for Christians like people looked at it from all different angles and I'm like no no like people are asking me like okay well can would you put a a homosexual in charge of a a, a congregation and I'm like that's not what this is about guys Mm-mm. like um and it's a it's a complicating topic I think that uh I mean I'll just go to scripture and then we can talk about why it's complicating but uh, 
the Sermon on the Mount, if you guys are confused about a lot of things, uh, go to the Sermon on the Mount because Jesus lays a lot of stuff out there, disruptive stuff, like Stacy said. Jesus said in chapter 7, Judge not that ye be not judged. Uh, for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure you meet, it shall be measured again unto you. And why beholdest thou the mote in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam in thine own eye? Or how will I say to thy brother, let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in your own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast the beam out of thy own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast the mote out of thy brother's eye. And Henry Morse made a very, I think, profound note on chapter 7. He says, this is Henry Morse now, here Jesus warns against condemning the actions or motives of others. Only the Lord has that right since he has the full knowledge of a person's actions and motives, a person's heart. Mm -hmm. This is in my dream what the dream was getting at. I could not see that person's heart that was living in homosexual lifestyle I had no way to see their heart until I inhabited, until I was in that person's body, and then I felt the grief that existed, right? Only Jesus can see that. On the other hand, Henry Moore says, he has commanded us to judge righteous judgment. We should be able to recognize false teachers and from such turn away. Also, we should be able to discern and rebuke false brethren who are encouraging others to sin. In other words, we should be able to judge that which is wrong in either doctrine or practice and avoid or correct those who are involved. But we must not condemn them. God must do that. Mm -hmm. This is where it becomes complicating for us in how we walk that out. We have to be a people that has discernment about what is right and wrong. Why do, we, why do we claim to know what is right or wrong? Because we have the blueprint for human life in Scripture. All the things that the Bible tells you, the way the Bible tells you to live, it is so that you will have a happy, fulfilled, and healthy life. Right? That's what it's for. It's the blueprint. So we have that discernment. The world around us is losing that discernment. So we have to maintain our stance and say, okay, no, this is actually the healthy, right way for the human machine to function, the human family, society, government, work ethic, business, all that. We have the blueprint for it. But what happens is, is since those things, those actions are connected to a person, it gets all muddled and we condemn, we end up condemning the person along with the action. It's like, it's like a guy made a comment, telling a lie is wrong, right? Telling a lie is something you do. It is not who you are. And it would almost, the way we treat it sometimes, though, is almost like if somebody tells a lie, we see them as a liar. 
So they they that's what the person becomes. And it's not. The the person is not. You you can't become an action. Right? So we have to be able to separate that in our mind to where we're not condemning the person's eternal soul because we don't have that perspective. The only perspective that we have is on the surface level. You don't have to, without Scripture, in terms of human biology, I, I know that homosexuality is, is not productive. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't do anything to, if we were just looking at it from a purely biological standpoint. Like, Neither does dipping. That's right. And again, I'm not condemning anyone here. I'm just saying we know what is right and what is wrong. We just have to be able to separate the two. Well, That's if, my piece on but it. it. You can go even like it's not this. I don't. Maybe I'm wrong, but the point of this conversation is not to discern what is right or wrong because right. we, we can't do that. And, and exactly, you could say is lying to save your kid's life right, even though lying's a sin. And you could go down that rabbit hole of of that. It's it's to say that I think that when you can let go of that judgment or that temptation to judge people. It is so freeing mm. to know that all I have to do mm-hmm. is love this person. Mm-hmm. That's all. Yeah. I don't have to judge him. I, why do I even want to judge him? Right. I mean, ask if you're one of those people, ask yourself, why do I even want to judge this person? Why do I want to say that they're wrong or right or that they're this or that they're that? And maybe you're trying to put them in a box or something. I don't know. But, man, it's freeing to know that all I have to do is love that person. And I think of, I've watched Chosen. I think of when uh, you mentioned Mary Magdalene's, what made me think of it when she goes goes off, she leaves them all and she comes back and she says, Jesus, I don't, I, I don't even know what to do. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm back. And he, he says, I don't require much. <laughs> and he leaves it at that. And, and she knows that she was wrong. And all he says is, you know, I don't require much. You're back here. Just pick up where you left off and, and continue following me. And that is love. To me, that is the picture of love. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that goes back to one of the biggest takeaways that I had from from that dream was like, holy smokes, there are so many circumstances in my life where I don't even have the capacity to properly judge my own eternal life, like my own, my own self. Like I can discern what I'm doing right or wrong, but to judge myself purely and r- completely righteously, I don't even have the capacity to do that. Well, a lot of times you don't even know that you are doing wrong. Exactly. When, when you're prideful, you don't know you're prideful until God reveals it to you. So who are you to think <laughs> that you can change yourself to not be prideful if you're not even good enough to recognize that you have it? Well, and that's yeah. a reality for all of us. We all do things all day, every day that are <laughs> that are sins, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's part of being a human. And that's another thing that I get caught up on is I see a lot of Christians going into people's lives who don't believe in the Bible or Jesus and trying to tell them what's right and wrong. And like at that point, what's going to come of that? What are the fruits going to be of you inserting yourself into someone's life who doesn't know God and telling them that they're living their life wrong. What if instead 
you built a relationship with them and built trust and loved them and shown them what God's love looked like. And then maybe if they ever do consider it, you'll be the person they reflect on. That person was really great and happy. Like, I want to be like them. Why would they want to be like someone who comes into someone's life and says, well, you know, you're going to hell or, you know, that's a bad path you're going down. Like, it just doesn't produce any fruit to me. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, what what good comes from the us and them mentality that I see a lot? Like, what? what well, I, I think mm-hmm. that's a great conversation, by mm-hmm. the way, because at, at least my understanding is the way that we are to to treat each other in terms of accountability within the body of Christ is the way we interact with each other is, is a little different than the way we interact with the world. As far as Christians. Is it, yeah, yeah. Within like the way that we interact with each other mm-hmm. in, in the body of Christ, we should treat the world with more love than we do each other. I mean, we should hold it. We're allowed to hold each other accountable, brothers and sisters in Christ. But God's not worried about my friend who's saved. He's worried about this guy over here who's not. You know, they're safe. They got it. Like, I mean. Yeah. Well, the us and them. I mean, I'd, I'd be interested to hear Stacy's perspective on that or, or Blake's because I think that does exist. And, and and I have to I have to say there can be a case to made that they're – there is a us and them uh, that like really and 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 that could exist without being an unhealthy thing. I don't think it could. Well, there is division there. The Bible draws division and says not everyone will enter heaven. You know the straight and narrow path and the broad and wide. So there is division there. That there's obviously people that are going to go to heaven and people that are going to go to hell. But to say that God cares more about one group than the other, I don't know that that's right. I don't think that he cares any more or less about, I mean, I don't know. I think, I, it's, I don't a po- say I think it. it's a posture has a lot to do with it. It is. Yeah, I, I think that, um, were you about to No, go ahead. Um, man, I, I think I go back to just the garden and the very basics of that we were all created in the image of God. Mm -hmm. So we know that all humans have sacred worth. Like that is, that is there. I mean, it's so easy to gloss over that, but like when we see, when we see good in anyone, whether they're a Christian or not, that's the glory of God. When we see someone that says something that feels really true and good, that doesn't, that belongs to God. That's the, it's, it's just like, me walking out here and seeing a beautiful tree that's part of God's creation, I can see glory in that. I can see glory in all of God's creation. Mm-hmm. Scripture also says that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Christians are in that. Like we get to this place where we feel like we have arrived in our spirituality. Mm-hmm. But dang it, I need that every day. I need the gospel every single day. I have not got it figured out yet. <laughs> I mean, I have it. Like, and that's when I think the us and them mentality 
comes into play where you get to this place where it's a lot easier to look at what you think someone else is doing and what their sin is rather than looking at your own heart and your own stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. And that, that is what like gets my grits cooking mm. because for me, the person that came that had the right to judge didn't do that. I mean, mm. he entered in like, and then this is the thing people talked about him. When Jesus showed up in these places and he ate with the tax collectors and he sat at the well with a woman when people didn't sit with women. I mean, people still talk about you if you have a conversation, but Jesus was like, oh no, I'm going to go sit alone with this woman that's a prostitute. And I don't, I mean, I'm going to go and seek her out. Like people talked about him and that's what I want. I want my compassion for men to to align with the compassion and the grace that has been given to me. Because I'll tell you what grace is. Grace in my own life has been when I thought I had arrived and I was sitting on a little self-righteous box. And you know what was so good about God? That, that his grace was to let me just be there, you know? And then in his time, bringing me to repentance to say, you know, maybe you hadn't all got it figured out yet. Because it was really easy, I think, for me, just in my own personal journey, like feeling somebody, feeling harsh judgment from others. And then it was like, okay, I became a Christian. Well, now now I'm good. Now I'm good. And uh, it didn't take too long where I felt like it was my job to go out and save the world. Mm. And, the, and, and, and here again, like the Lord is going to use us and the way that he wants to use us, like nothing good comes out of me. I can only boast in Christ. So if I want to walk with you, Brooke, and, and, and I actually say something of sound advice, it ain't coming from me. <laughs> like it, and I can't claim it as my own. Like I can only claim it as the goodness of God and the goodness of Christ dwelling in me. And so that's what I'm trying to be anchored in. And I have not done that perfectly as a Christian. I have not. I have, in my own way, judged. And so, um, man, but I'm trying to. I'm trying to go a different path. And even in that, what I feel sometimes again is that fear of being misunderstood, because I think we also view. Uh, to take this back around, we can also, like you said in your comments, view that as being passive. Yeah. I love what you said about every human is sacred. And I catch a lot of Christians being like, if you're going to do business or if you're going to be in community or if you're going to do this or this person has this awesome talent art that they do, but they're not Christian. So you probably shouldn't do that. Like, and people are so talented and beautiful and amazing, but we don't give people who aren't Christians wait in that we try to like minimize it be like, well, they're not a Christian. You, you should try to find a Christian instead. Or if like, you read a book that was authored by not a Christian, yep. like, Oh, that's dangerous. No. I, I mean, yes, I, 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 anything I put in me, you have to, to, to use discernment. Absolutely. But at the same time, going back to like, 
is is there beauty and truth from receive? Can I receive from someone that doesn't claim to be a Christian? Absolutely, absolutely. Yep. And how much more likely are they going to be to find God one day? You know, because I don't know, not the book example, but like a friend or buying from somebody in town at a small business or doing business with somebody and you're kind to them and you love them. And I think it's a balance of loving them without condoning what they, if you know, like that, that they are sinning or maybe some things they're doing are wrong. You still have to love them, but not condone it. Like Jesus couldn't have said Mary, to Mary Magdalene, "That's all right. It was just one time. It, it, that we're going to write. You know, that was okay. Just try not to do it again, or 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 maybe you can do it again. That would be condoning it, right? So to love them, but you don't have to condemn them, but don't condone it. Just show the love. If you like their product, buy it. Don't say anything about anything else. Just man, this is some nice art or whatever. And I think on the division. If I think of like, we used to have this thing for the kids' dirty diapers, and it was called a diaper genie, and it was this sack, and you, when you dropped the diaper in it, it would close a bag so it didn't stink. And so you've get, say you've got this sack of stinking diapers <laughs> that are in a regular trash can, and it's smelling the house up, and then you've got this sack of diapers in the diaper genie that you can't smell. They're both equally nasty, dirty diapers that stink, but the sack that's in the diaper genie can boast in being in the diaper genie. Like that's what it, so I'm comparing us to other non-Christians. We're both, our righteousness is as filthy rags, whether we're Christian or not. It's the glory of God. It's the that, covering. Yeah. Yeah. It, that, that is what, that's what we can boast in is that, hey, we're covered in, we're covered in Jesus. We're covered in his grace and righteousness and mercy. And so we can't, none of us can boast in anything we can do. And we can't condemn other people for things they're doing because we're just a dirty diaper too, <laughs> you know? So. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and, and we cannot see the posture of, of their heart and, and we can not see what, what Christ has for them. And, and yeah, man, it's, uh. It's a tough conversation, and and like, like Stacy kind of alluded to a little while ago, where she had that period of time when she was uh, felt like she had it figured out, and she was sitting on her soapbox. Um, I I mean, a lot of you guys that listen to this, I, I think maybe you i don't know what your perspective of of me or blake or stacy or any, or any of us are that put a lot of a lot of thought into um scripture that that put a lot of time in in and in, in prayer and we've been walking with the lord for a long time but like i just i just want to tell you like i am still a babe in christ man like he's still on a weekly basis, just wrecking my perspective and my posture and my heart and just tearing it down. And he's forcing me into this grief and, and forcing me into these places just to be, just to be undone. And, and why he's doing that, he's making me, he's making me more like him. Um, and, Brooke was asking me the other day, we were sitting in the shower. She was like, well, what, what can you, what, what, what do you think you need to do? You know, you're sad and this, 
I'm like, maybe I, I just need to sit with this. Like, I just need to sit with this grief because it's preparing my heart for an, an, an interaction that I may have in the future or, it's, or, or some, something that Christ will have me doing. And, and it is just like everything else. Your spiritual growth will only come through tension. It's the same as physical growth, physical fitness. We understand that well. That's why we exercise. Your spiritual growth will only come through tension. And it's easy to get frustrated at the tension that you are feeling around spiritual things. The tension that you're feeling around something that might be told in Scripture. You're feeling tension around these things. That's actually a blessing. If you're not feeling any tension or you're not having to, to, to go deep and reconcile with something that Jesus said in Scripture, if you're not having to do that, you, you, you're, you're in a dangerous place. And gosh, it's just such a journey, man. It's such a journey. We bring to, I think people, it would be helpful for people to anticipate like, your character flaws that affect your relationships and your daily interactions and your job and your work ethic, you're going to bring that into your spiritual life. You know, like, so if you're prideful or if you're like, there's, you know, it's going to translate and you're going to have to be on guard about that because that's just us being human, Mm -hmm. you know? Well, that happens with me. I mean, I'm a perfect example for that. I mean, my, my, my built in response is always attack always attack that's it and and that carries over into my spiritual life um and and it's a it's a struggle and i think that's why god has to just wreck me to even make me see anything because that's my muscle memory is just to attack man that is so powerful to name that that's really powerful to name that one of the things that kind of goes along with what we're saying is Stacy made a comment when we were walking that has been stuck in my head ever since. And I'm going to paraphrase, so you correct me. But we were talking about how Christians like to talk, 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 talk about other people and how they should fix, but they don't want to get involved. Mm. They don't want to put their time and effort and love into it. And we were using the example of like abortion. Oh, can I? Yes, please. Yes. Well, so so. This was actually the next something a caveat I wanted to bring to this because I want to confess just publicly, like what Chad just said about feeling that that I feel like the past few years I have been really angry with the church, and I'm not talking about one church. Like I'm saying, actually, my local church has actually been a beautiful body of bearing with me through this anger, but I've been pissed. I've been so mad. And um, I feel like I've been on the attack towards God's people. Um, Like, y'all should know better. You know, I feel like in some ways my own heart has felt, again, estranged from the church. But golly, isn't that like what we're taught? It's like self-righteousness in itself, too. Like, it's a whole, it's, it's, it's doing the same thing. It's doing the same thing. And so, uh, I mean, I think for me, it all started with uh, a student that I was really, really close to when I was in college ministry. And um, she became pregnant. 
and she was a really, I just, of, um, out, and was not married and um, was in leadership in a Christian organization and um, in a Christian community here in town. And when she came forward about her um, pregnancy and her desire to keep this baby and that she knew it was going to be hard and, um, man, I saw, I saw both two things. I saw a group of Christians rally around her with a fierceness, like we'll babysit for you. We'll bring you meals. Like we're, you're not alone in this. And then I saw a group of Christians go after her and it just really affected me. Um, you know, because I'm thinking, you know, and even in one conversation with her, she was like on the brink of considering abortion. And, uh, you know, for her to say, I'm going to keep this child. But then for me, I felt so angry because I felt like the people of God betrayed her. Like, you know, here she is and her, her like uh, repentance and her willingness to like, like, you know, keep this life. And then then she's uh, ostracized. And, and it really affected me. It really, really affected me. Um, I mean, I just wanted to stop listening to Christian music. I mean, I even got to the point where I even kind of even wanted to like stop reading my Bible because I felt like it just all felt like clanging symbols to me. Mm-hmm. Like everything felt so like judgmental christian E, and so I want to say that because there might be people listening to this podcast that are feeling that way too towards the church. Oh, there are, guarantee you. And and so I I want to say like, gosh, like come back home. I'm trying to come back home, like I'm trying to find my way. And and this I told Brooke this. I said there's been moments in the last probably four years where I felt closer to Jesus and further away from his church than I ever have felt in my life. But in my own heart, I've known, like, I got to go back to my community. Like, we might not agree on everything in this space, but I know that, like, God created us for community with one another. When it was just Adam and God by themselves in the garden, he said, you know, I'm going to create somebody else because that's good. It's not good for you to be alone. And he was with God all the time. You know, so it's just like God, communion, you know, that word community is at the core, like breaking bread to get, like we need that in our daily lives. But oh, we got to come back to where the nourishment and the bread comes from. I think it all goes to, what did you say? It sounded like a clanging cymbal? Yeah. I mean, you probably know the verse, yeah. but there's a verse in the Bible that says, though I speak with tongues of men and angels, but have not love, I've become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Mm. And you heard that because there was no love. Yeah. I mean, it just, it lays it out. It's so it good. It doesn't matter what you do. Uh, another version says that that it's like a squeaking of a rusty gate. You know, it's just like, ah, man. It does. It hurts to see people 
like but like what you were saying or like what we were talking about people who feel really strongly against abortion but they've never done anything for a single mom or wanted to join in with a nonprofit mm. or you know like if you feel strongly that something is wrong and it really grieves you you probably need to get involved with that thing you know like there's probably a reason that's on your heart and that doesn't mean like posting all these nasty exactly things on on social media about right it. Like, yeah that's not I, I mean, that's the cheap that's the cheap punches exactly. like that's the cheap stuff i saw that when we went and did that speech for turning point there were these ladies standing on these street corners with these signs these poster board or billboards that were like horrific images of children who had been murdered uh and i was like that that ain't helping nobody all that's doing is all that's doing is prolonging the trauma promoting <clears throat> anger <clears throat> and division and and all the th I saw that man it was horrific I couldn't even look at it but we got to be careful yeah. because unless someone is proclaiming to be Christian at that point you can kind of have a talk with them about what they're doing but <sighs> if they're not and you're saying that they're Christian maybe because they go to church or because the, then judging that they are saved and that they're not saved is no different. And and not it, loving that that person that you think is probably Christian because they've been going to church but you don't really know or and judging them by how they're acting unless, again, unless they say, hey, I'm a Christian and I'm living for God and the actions I portray in my life are a display of who Jesus is. If they proclaim that, then yeah, by all means, you got to have a talk with them. But... If you're just assuming that they're Christian, I got to believe that it's just as wrong to act a certain way towards them as it is to act a way, certain way towards someone who is homosexual or who is a habitual liar or who is any of those things. I, mm -hmm. I got to believe that. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what you guys think, but all of this keeps sending me back to like, there is some kind of scripture about God doesn't see specific sin. Like he just sees sin. He can't even look upon it because it's so unclean to him. And I've always wondered that like, and I, I've talked and a lot of people have different opinions, but does that mean me lying about something, you know, is the same as someone watching pornography? Like just talking about Christians. Like we like to give weight to different sins because of our cultural standards. But like, does that mean anything or does God just, you know, I don't, I don't know. What do y'all think about that? It, so it all falls short of the, the plumb line, mm -hmm. complete righteousness. So no, there, there, there's in, no ranking in, in God's eyes. There, there is no ranking. I was, um, I, I think <clears throat> it, and it's a whole nother conversation and, and I, I won't open it up, but like, Again, you, 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 and Christ are the only ones that know your heart. Like, if you're struggling with pornography addiction, and you are powerless over it, but when you do that, it grieves you. You are you are forget that that is a that is a repentant posture of your heart. Nobody can see that but you, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But. There are people in, in the scripture that have been turned over to a reprobate mind that no longer feel any angst 
about something they are doing that is destructive. And so that that's that when we talk about ranking ranking of sin, you know, if you are a if if you are perpetually lying and you no longer think there's anything wrong with it, you no longer feel any angst about it or that it, it doesn't burden you whatsoever. Well, it's not that the lie is any worse. It, it's the it's the posture of your heart mm-hmm. toward that thing. And going back back to what Blake said about the clanging symbols, we saw that that part of that verse said, "Though I not love," and Stacy says, "We got to come back." There's an absence of love for one another. There's an absence of of love. And, well, Jesus predicted this in in Matthew chapter 24. And it says, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, Jesus is specifically talking about the latter days here. And we see, I, I see this eroding away at the love that we have in our hearts because of the iniquity that we are surrounded by and inundated with, right? And whether that's coming at you through media, whether it's coming at you because you're seeing it play out in your own community, it's eroding away. And we have that's, that's a key component of us rallying and coming back together in community is guarding and doing things that promote our the, the love that we can have and show toward one another, it's the key component of us coming together in community. But it is waxing cold for a lot of people. And I get it. That makes total sense. Christ said that, and I see it playing out right in front of me. Yep. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think that's a good reflection of what Stacy said passionately about um, you know, in the Bible, it tells us to take care of the widow and the homeless. And we're all about like, hey, you're doing this and that's wrong. You don't ever hear, hey, you're not doing this. This is part of it too, right? But that's okay. We're just worried about what you are doing. You know, like that's... I, that's guess that's a, I think that's a great way to restore. If, if your love for, for other humans has waxed cold... What a wonderful way yes. to restore that love by going and serving yes. other people who are are in a really difficult place in life, serving them. That's going to fill you with love, I'm telling you. I, I um, am really connected to the homeless shelter here in town. It's just it's a place that I... I find a lot of community in and they have a garden there and I got involved with it a few years ago and, you know, I had this conception of like, I'm going to be like in the kitchen, like a soup line, like passing out these bowls, um, you know, in the homeless lines, but that, that is not the, this shelter is a very small shelter. And one of the things that we do is, you know, we, we work in the garden with the um, guests that are staying there and uh, then we prepare the meal together and then we eat together and what I've loved about that community is that man like 
seeing these men that have been very broken and estranged, some of them from their own families, like uh, telling my daughter's jokes and my daughter's laughing, like I'm receiving from them and they're receiving from me. It's not an us and them. Mm. It is a we. Mm -hmm. Like we are communing together and we're receiving from one another. And it feels so good. It feels so good. It restores my heart. It restores my soul. And I hope that it's restorative to them. But that's what we were created for. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, it. it's a, yes. y'all have said it's, it's a heart thing. And it, when your heart has grown hard, that's when you can know, when you're not, when you Chad mentioned being sad, you know, like, man, he just gets sad sometimes. And when you're not grieved about the things that are going on and the situations that you see and, and you're just able to like, oh, there's another one. There's another, and when you get to that point, you've hardened your heart. And that's a problem. And to me, it is like in life there's this there's a medium and there's a mold. And are are you being the mold and, and you're uh, you're taking from the Bible and molding it to how your life is? You're interpreting the scripture through your life? Are you reading the Bible and molding yourself to it and mm. interpreting the scripture for what it is? Because the minute that you start to mold the scripture to you, then you know what? When you go to church and you raise your hands and you worship God, who are you really worshiping? You're not worshiping God because you've molded the Bible to you. You're worshiping yourself. So good. And and so it's it's like you got to think of yourself. Are you being the mold or are you the medium that's being molded in life? And I don't know. I, I mean, that's what, what that's what I think. And what you're leading with, because I think we talk about accountability and all these things. But what are we leading with? Are we leading with, I think we we, in, we lead often with instruction. Mm-hmm. Like this is what we should be doing. These are, the, these are the instructions. And we don't lead with compassion. And that's so different. That feels so different. It feels different when you're receiving some for someone, like, you know, from a friend. Like mm-hmm. if a friend's like, you're talking to them about what you're going through, and they're just like, oh, well, these are the things you should do now. You know, that's a much different conversation as far as, like, being present with you. I mean, like, man, this is tough. Like, I'm here with you. I'm with you in this. That's good. That's really good. Yeah. Jeremy talked about that the other day. What did he say? He was talking about that how many times he has to play that he has to be that because of his profession. I think it ties that he, you know, that's a beautiful example of it, how he's in this place with these people that are broken and he doesn't place the burden on himself Mm, to have the answers and the instructions for them to make it right. But he just has to sit there and be present. That's so good. Y'all this morning I went to the dump. I'm taking Blakely to school and I get out and unload all the trash cans, and I get back in the truck, and she's just in tears. I don't. I'm like, Blakely, what happened? What's wrong? Did something hurt you? And I had to pull it out of her. And finally, she says, "I was just thinking that of somebody getting you and not being here." Aww. And and so immediately, I wanted to say, "Well, that's." You don't have to think about that. Like I wanted to tell her, to "This is why her. you shouldn't think about that." That's you know. 
it could happen, but it's probably not. And and instead, I just thought, you know, let me just tell her, I understand that that would make you sad. Like that should make you cry that that I'm not here. And I I think about that with you sometimes. And I think that's the compassion versus instruction because I wanted to say. I wanted to tell her why it was illogical to think that and that, you know, don't think about those things. Think about good things and and provide these steps so that that didn't happen again when really if you just sit with people in it, it does so much more for them, right? Mm -hmm. We want to take, especially our kids, but we want to take people out of their pain because it's hurt, especially (laughs) it's hard for us to sit with our own pain. But if we're willing to bear in that and not try to take people out of their pain, but be with them in it. I mean, that goes back to your dream, Chad. Like that was what was significant to me when I was hearing the dream. The most significant part to me was more seeing and, and hearing you be being surrounded by Blake like being surrounded and and hearing the Lord entering in with you. Mm-hmm. Like that was the most significant thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think I told Blake that too. I said, you know, it was strange how I was in this place of just uh, complete and utter loss of hope and just didn't even want to live anymore. And, you know, he entered the room and moved toward me and, you know, was prompting me to do the things that, you know, I needed to do to, to like, he, he didn't look at me as somebody who there was no, no hope for, you know? And so, yeah, man. Well, I, I'll tell you what, we should start doing, we should get the four of us together and do these episodes weekly. And we'll just start doing three podcasts a week. <laughs> Since Stacy has all that time. Yeah. yeah. You have to come milk my cow for me. <laughs> you know, in all, all these conversations that, that, that we have on, you know, these types of things, I don't ever come in here expecting a conclusion. If you've listened to this podcast, you've probably realized we, pro- we haven't really come up with any conclusions here. Um, we've talked them over, we've heard different perspectives, and we've all grown from this conversation. Um, so, you know, understand that there's nothing wrong with with digging in and having conversation and and trying to trying to understand these things, even if you don't have an immediate answer for them. I think that that inhibits growth within the body of Christ is because we don't really want to talk about things unless we think we can draw some conclusion. Mm-hmm. But as you've seen us do here today, this is what makes us grow, is coming together and talking and hearing these different stories and perspectives. And that's why we could do these once a week. Because you really never reach an end to the conversation that you can have around the human experience. Well, people grow so much more from that anyways. Aside from telling them what they should think or what they should do, if you can just provide some thoughts and let them sort through it themselves, 
I, I think they get, I think people get, I know I do. I get so much more out of it if I have to sort through it in my own head versus someone telling me, hey, this is, this is the conclusion here. Yeah. Well, Stacy, thank you for taking the time out of the day to come and do this. Thanks. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's always I'm, a pleasure. I'm always willing to, to jump in and wrestle with hard things with y'all. Mm. That's what we love. It. That's one of the things we love about you. We also love that you bring us fresh milk <laughs> and, um, <laughs> And you let us hunt, and you're, yeah. you're very generous to us, and so so many, and, and a big part of our family and community, like you said. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's wonderful. Biscuit, we're wrapping it up. You want to tell everybody bye? Bye, guys. <laughs> Biscuit's got to go to work. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. Hopefully, we'll have Stacy on again sometime soon. If you want to reach out to Stacy, um, because she is such a beautiful person uh, to get to know a little better, check her out on Instagram at Mountain Mama Farms, and then website is MountainMamaFarms.com. Sweet. We love you guys. Enough said.